0: Every waking moment I had, I had a laptop in front of me, and my husband always would always joke and say, "Ooh, are you blogging over there?" Um, and it wasn't until we really started to have a conversation and me to say to him, "Listen, this is a business. This isn't me just doing something for fun. It's the mindset. It's that mindset piece of you treating it that way, so that others will. Because no one else ever will until you do."
1: Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hi Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today on the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. So first, I usually like to start off by asking our guests to just briefly introduce themselves, their journey so far, and, and what they do. Yes,
0: of course, Tina. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm um, My name is Jenny Melrose. I started off online back when dinosaurs roamed the earth is the way <laughs> I like to say it. Um, I started actually a food blog back in 2009 called The Melrose Family. And during that time, I just had my first daughter who was six months old. And over the course of 10 years, I was able to um, grow it. I replaced my actual teaching salary um, as a teacher in New York uh, just based on sponsorships. So I was able to replace my salary and go full-time as a blogger and influencer working with brands across the country, um, and then was able to create a course that taught other bloggers how to do that exact same thing. Um, I created JennyMellers.com after selling my food blog
1: for six figures. Oh, amazing. Selling a blog is super, super interesting. I'd love to dive into more about how as an influencer, you can leverage your influence to land paid brand deals because I think that's uh, your area of expertise. So can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, the most important steps for anyone listening who wants to? grow a blog and monetize that what are some of the most important foundations that they need to set up or like where the most traffic is coming from Yes, So it's
0: such a good question. Um, I think that really when it comes to a blog, first of all, it's important to have something other than just social media, because as we know, algorithms can change and you're really on rented property when you build a business on social media. So still having social media, but also then having something like a blog or email list even to be able to grow, to be able to get in contact with your people if heaven forbid something happens and they shut down TikTok or they, decide. that the algorithm is not gonna show your content anymore on Instagram, whatever it might be. Um, But then when it comes to a blog, it's really about being specific with your niche, knowing what problem you solve for your audience so that they can continually come back to you looking for you to solve that problem for them. Um, Creating that content that then Google understands, this is what your expertise is, this is how you're going to serve your people so that you can continually get google
1: to put out your content to people when they ask those questions about the problem that you solve would you say pinterest is more important for traffic or uh, seo google seo seo is definitely more important than pinterest okay
0: Pinterest, so when I started back in 2009, Pinterest was just developing. And over the course of over 10 years now, I've watched the way that Pinterest has developed. It used to really be about um, the followers that you had and putting out that content and being able to follow it and just. Whoever was there, they saw your pin. Now Pinterest is paying more attention to keywords in understanding what to serve it to people. We've also watched Pinterest over the past year and a half become much more enveloped in creating idea pins similar to the whole Instagram reels and TikTok. We know that video is more what people are looking for. It goes to our millennials and our Gen Z that are looking for video content. Um, And we've seen that happen with Pinterest as well to really start to turn towards more towards idea pins in the video, which means, when you do an idea pin, you're not getting traffic. That's really similar to creating an Instagram, you know, any account right now on Instagram. Building that brand identity is really what it's about, which works well for sponsorships, but yes, not
1: yes. necessarily traffic. So definitely Google, to answer your question, is who you want to write for. Okay, good to know. So speaking about sponsorships, so we teach uh, people how to grow their social media mainly and then reach out from their social media channels to land brand sponsorships. So some of the main ways would be like through uh, PR agencies, the brands themselves, and then through influencer platforms. What about for blogs? If you have a significant readership, how do you actually go about reaching out to sponsorships for blogs?
0: It's actually the same exact. I always recommend starting with the website, going and checking to see if they have press releases and finding an email address for the PR rep that is working on those campaigns that you can actually start a relationship with. We actually teach as well that you start with that blog being as your foundation so that they have some place to go for the long tail effects rather than it just being a 24 hour something that picks up quick on social media. Blogging gives you the ability to have it over time. Um, But then we also have all the social media platforms that go along with it because we also need ways to build the brand and bring people in and drive traffic.
1: Yeah. And we definitely preach that if you have other platforms like a blog or anything, it's really important to offer that to the brand so that you can package it at a higher rate and negotiate um, your worth as well. And actually, I think that's something that you can maybe lend us your expertise on. If you reach out to a brand and they come to you with like a lower offer, what are some Mm -hmm. ways that you can show that you have provided value or uh, can show them why you they should be paying you more and get better rates?
0: So I think the first part that's really important is one, to know your value, know what your engagement is, understand what you bring to the table so that if you are a blogger and you understand keywords and SEO research, that you are talking about that in your proposal that you put together and it including those words. Um, If you have a strong presence on Instagram and it's Reels and you're seeing a certain amount of impressions or if it's Pinterest and you're seeing a certain amount of impressions with idea pins, being able to articulate that and knowing, okay, this is technically what I would probably charge for this, but I think the most important piece is giving a package price. Never saying that I charge this for an Instagram post, I charge this for a blog post, I charge this for a TikTok video. I think it's important to be able to give that package price so that when they come and say, "Mm, we only have a budget of 1,500, you just quoted us at 3K, you can then take out certain deliverables that puts you at that price. I always talk about to my audience their hate rate understanding what their rate is that they will hate themselves <laughs> for working on a campaign. I love that. Because we all know there are those brands that are more work than others. And there's also those things, deliverables, that we probably despise more than others. Maybe some of us yes. are willing to do stories over reels. Um, so knowing that and understanding that you need to price yourself based on that.
1: Yeah, for me I like to look at the what is the incremental effort it takes for me to deliver these extra deliverables so then I would add on deliverables that could just be repurposing and I don't have to physically create more things in order to make more money I am just repurposing it more so like doing uh, either it multiple times over different platforms or varying it and then reposting it again those are some of the ways that I think are really good instead of like increasing effort uh, you just increase the impression and the overall impact so the brand gets what they want uh, but you don't have to put that much more incremental uh, extra effort into yeah. it so that's That's another good way to go about it. Absolutely. no, I love that. I was actually super interested in what you said about how you sold your blog for six figures. Mm -hmm. So how long did you have your blog before that? And... Could you share with us maybe some insight onto at what point you decided to sell it? So I started the blog in 2009.
0: I sold it in 2019, but at the time in 2019, I had had a team running the site for probably three or four years, um, where it was very little of, I was just that CEO, overarching, watching everything that was happening, but had people in roles. I had writers, I had photographers, I had everyone kind of in their places. And the reasoning behind really creating that team was at that time in 2017-ish was when I um, retired from teaching. And when I retired from teaching at 35, a lot of bloggers said, wait a second, how did you, how, how did you leave, What, what did that look like? And I got asked to speak around the country at multiple conferences for bloggers and influencers. So because of that, there was a lot more traveling that went into that, of course. Not as much time could go into the blog that I used to, as well as the social media. Um, And I was also getting asked, the second I would leave a conference, I would get tons of emails saying, okay, well, what do I do if this happens? And what do I say if they say this? And I'm a former inner city school district teacher. So I turned around and said, listen, I'm going to put together a course and I'd love for you to be a beta member." And within, mm-hmm. I think it was 30 minutes, I had someone say, where can I PayPal you, the? You know, the where can I pay you? Um, so, I made first beta tester and I said, okay, we'll have this turned around and we'll have it to you in two weeks. Um, a little crazy at the time to say it's going to be done in two weeks, it was. <laughs> Um, but wow I uh, we were able to put it together it was just kind of within my wheelhouse to continue to be able to teach and once that happened the Jenny Melrose side of my business exploded and I needed to be able to really pay attention to that side of things um we kept the Melrose family for another two years while I was running Jenny Melrose um, and then it just got to the point where I needed to let it go I needed to sell it, I needed to move on from it and be able to put all of my focus in this side of my business with the podcast and the book and all of the things that come along with speaking. So we were able to go, I actually listed it with Empire Flippers, which is a blogging um kind of yeah. almost like marketplace like you would to list a house. I just listed the website. Um and in order to price it, they kind of took into what the revenue was, what the P L was, and of course social media went with that
1: so the social media was connected
0: to all of that um, as well as the blog content that of course was there.
1: That is so interesting. Uh, This is the first time I'm interviewing someone who actually sold a super successful blog so this is a really cool insight. Thank you for sharing. Um, What were the steps that you had to take to I guess go from like a personal brand because it was the Malrose family you know it is your last name so you went from more like a personal brand to build up this blog like showing your face right but then you had to transition face out of that in order to sell the blog can you tell us a little bit more about the processes you had to go through to get there so i
0: think that really came down to the branding it came down to the tagline that went with it what was the purpose behind the our family and originally back in 2009 you have to remember i started blogging at a time where people talked about like why they went to the zoo and how, what they ate for lunch and it was very yeah. not what it is today Um, We didn't pay attention to keywords or SEO or anything like that. We talked about what we wanted to talk about. And then probably two years in, it really shifted. We started paying attention to keywords. We started, you know, understanding how Pinterest was driving so much traffic to us and how could we start to grow an email list to then offer our own products and services to them. So because of that, I kind of quickly took on this idea of, The Melrose family was this entity that wasn't just a personal brand, but it became my team that was able to really make sure that they were creating quick and easy recipes and projects for busy parents. And I think once we really understood who we were talking to, the avatar, um, that made all the difference to making sure that it shifted from that personal brand to more of it being about, solving the problems for our audience and allowing oh, yeah. it to go beyond a personal brand, but actually the brand of the Melrose family.
1: Hey, I hope you're enjoying this interview so far. If you're a visual learner like me, then you'll love watching these episodes on our YouTube channel. In addition to our weekly video podcast with amazing guests, I also post YouTube videos and shorts dissecting the creator economy and sharing social media tips as well as my life as a content creator. Head to the Tina Lee Official YouTube channel to watch now and don't forget to subscribe! That's super interesting because here we focus a lot on teaching people how to grow their online personal brand with their face on it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the next step to uh, basically stepping away from showing your face all the time and having a personal brand. And I think one of it is actually having longer form content. If you're always just creating short form content on social media and you don't have other platforms like a podcast or a blog or a YouTube of some sort, it would be very hard for you to transition in the long term because you're always having to show up uh, with your face and doing those short form content or the visuals. Um, But when you have it on a blog written down somewhere, it's less dependent on your face. And even on a podcast, like, yes, the brand is there. And right now it's us speaking to each other. But I can imagine one day if like we need to have someone else to take over and using the brand voice to interview other people that could potentially happen one day as well. And we also see other people doing the same thing on YouTube where they bring on team members to make videos to interview other people and sort of stepping away from their personal brand. So that's really interesting to see the evolution of this online personal brand become something even bigger or something that's like literally transferable so super super interesting insights thanks for sharing that no of course and also uh, I just uh, wanted to mention your course about uh, influencing blogging can you tell us a little bit more about what you teach and what people can expect from um, your course and also your podcast yes
0: so the, um, the course is called Pitch Perfect Pro. Um, it actually walks you through the entire process of reaching out to brands and then landing those long-term contracts rather than it being a one and done. I really walk you through how to make sure that you put together a culmination document to show that you are providing the ROI that a brand is looking for um, and without needing to have 500,000 page views as a blogger or a million followers as a social media influencer, depending upon what platform, of course. But really understanding how to be able to take all the pieces of what you do and combine it to be able to show the brand that it is a valuable relationship that they can have with you. So we have anyone from someone that has as little as 500 um, followers that have taken the course and seen success from it, um, to anyone that's, of course, much larger that is then able to show their influence that they have with the value that they provide
1: yeah that's amazing I also of course have my
0: podcast which I interviewed yes. you for as well which I'm super excited to have that be able to share that about Instagram reels that we talked about um, my podcast is called influencer entrepreneurs um, it was actually my way kind of to be able to come out from behind that personal brand. Because of course my website is JennyMelrose.com, but I wanted to be able to have something where others could identify with it. And I fell upon Influencer Entrepreneur because a lot of times what I was finding with bloggers and influencers is they saw themselves as bloggers and influencers with air quotes. And they were just blogging or just putting up an Instagram post and they didn't see themselves as business owners. And to me, as a woman and as a a mother, that drove me crazy. Um, I wanted women to understand that this is a business. It is that if you start to look at it and treat it like a business, that's when it makes all the difference. And it's easier to be able to see where you can put your time in elsewhere, potentially within your business, to hire someone to come in, create a team member, Um, have an intern come in, hire someone that's a Gen Z that can give that perspective on really being able to see your business as a business. And that's where Influencer Entrepreneur came from. And it's actually the name of my first book
1: as well. You bring up such a great point about everything being so closely related to being an entrepreneur. Um, I think there's a lot that goes on into building a personal brand. And we often think of it as just creating content as being the main part of it. But actually a huge um, mindset aspect. There's a huge even how do you incorporate it into your life aspect and still have balance. And I do know that you cover that quite a lot in your recent episodes where you talk about setting boundaries uh, between your work and maybe your home. I think every influencer has to go through this process of not having any boundary. And then one day they get so overwhelmed and they're like, I need to set boundaries. Did you go through that process as well? And then how did you overcome that?
0: Yes. So when I... Initially started it was I was a full-time teacher. Um, I had a six-month-old and I was married maybe two three years at the time So there was a lot of transition going on um, and to start a blog yeah. and a business from scratch seemed a little insane um, And there wasn't as much balance as you would technically want I feel like I every waking moment I had I had a laptop in front of me and my husband always would always joke and say Who are you blogging over there? Um, and it wasn't until we really started to have a conversation and me to say to him, listen, this is a business. This isn't me just doing something for fun. Um, I really can see this being able to replace my teaching salary of $75,000 living in New York. Um, and we, of course, he laughed and thought it was funny. Um. But when the checks started rolling in, it was a different conversation, and I think it yeah. is. It's really important. It's the mindset. It's that mindset piece of you treating it that way, so that others will. Because no one else ever will until you do. Um, when I left teaching at the age of 35, and I told my family that lived in New York, my parents, my siblings that I was leaving teaching, they thought I was absolutely out of my mind. Um, My mother (laughs) swore up and down that I would go back to teaching within probably six months to a year. And here we are. Um, I I don't even know how many years it is now, like eight years, nine years I've been out of teaching. Um, And it's because it's what I love and I had it set up to be a business. I understood that I needed to be able to put the time in but also have those boundaries for myself, especially once you have a family and you have, even if it's just a husband, them feeling like you're constantly on Instagram when you're out on a date night with them can be a problem. And you have to be able to have those open conversations with each other and be able to say like, this is the time when I need to be doing this. And this is the
1: time when We have our togetherness or whatever it might be. Absolutely. And I know you break that down into multiple episodes. So definitely go check out Jenny's podcast for more in depth on each topic because I think it really shares so much, which would be helpful for us. Because as much as we like to teach strategy or methods, it's actually more important to have the right mindset. And it's also really important to be emotionally able to continue to work on the strategy and on your business um, or else if you let overwhelm take over then you will take like two three months break off of everything and then you kind of have to start from zero again and we don't want that to happen so it's very important to get your mindset right first Yes, I did want to kind of touch upon, again, the part where you said you wanted to quit your job to pursue this. Um, what made you feel like you were ready to actually take that leap? Was it the, the money that you were making from blogging was equal to the money you were making from teaching, or did you have enough savings? I think this is a question people have a lot, so it would really help to know your perspective.
0: So... My husband and I sat down and kind of set it up where we were teachers, of course, that so we used to I uh, taught from September until June normally. And over that mm-hmm. summer, I worked my butt off. i um, trying to really make sure that I was set up with brand collaborations moving forward that were long term. So it wasn't a one and done. It wasn't kind of like, well, we don't know what's coming in next month, which can also be part of being an influencer. Um, when it becomes yes. consistent, it becomes a lot less worrisome. Um, so we sat down and kind of made up a plan as far as if I am able to hit certain target goals that can show that I am able to replace that teacher salary, um, then I would put in my retirement. Um, and I was able to hit those goals within like the first three months um, to the point where Amazing. we actually made the decision that We lived in New York, but we are not cold weather people. Um, So we moved down south. Uh, We decided we were going to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. We have been down here ever since and absolutely love it. But that, again, was a part of looking at our expenses. Like we lived in New York where it was very expensive to be able to move down to North Carolina, cut some of our expenses, took some of that kind of like crazy pressure that comes with it off of me. My husband at the time um, was working. He did work for Lowe's corporate for quite some time. When we moved down here, he continued, but I retired him um, after like a year or two being down here. He has since gone back um, to being a teacher because that was his ultimate Mm. love. Um, He is a PE teacher. He plays games with kids all day long and absolutely loves it. Um, but that was a big piece of like really setting up those goals. I think a lot of time we as influencers, again, because we're not looking at it as a business, we don't set goals for ourselves and like, what are we trying to hit? We'll look at like follower numbers, which isn't, does not make us a business. The things that make us business are money. You have to be able to say like, this is the income coming in, these are my expenses. You have to be able to take a look at that. And I know for a lot of people that can be hard because they may not be a numbers person. Um, Right here, I hate numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, my first hire was a bookkeeper because I needed them to be able to look and see what are we looking at here? Are we profitable? How profitable are we? What are some of the risks I can take? What are some of the things that I can invest in to kind of have a better way of understanding how I can move my business forward? So I think really, setting goals and understanding that you're trying what you're trying to hit before you take that total leap and just leave. I would never tell someone just walk away and just test it out. Of course. Let's make sure we have some of those numbers and the goals kind of set out that you're trying to hit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We have a very similar story to you where um, I felt like things were really going to take off and they hadn't exactly yet. But then I was like, I can see this becoming a larger thing and I want to be able to scale everything. And so in 2020. One, We moved away from New York as well, and my husband also semi-retired, and now it's been better than ever. So one last word for anyone who is on the verge of, let's say, quitting their job, but are facing um, maybe backlash from the people around them. Yes. So... This I was when
0: we actually moved my family because they're very much New York, like you don't leave New York. Um, mm. a <laughs> generation upon generation is still there i It was to the point where my I was more or less disowned at first when we left. Um, it didn't last very long, but I think having those open conversations, trying to be able to articulate what it is that you do. Early on right from the out of the gate You know if you need to be able to work from 10 to 2 or whatever your hours work Make sure people understand those are your work hours Those are not your hours for you to be able to go grab a coffee with a girlfriend that thinks that you're just at home eating bonbons You know creating content for Instagram. You need to be able to say This I'm working during these hours. Um, I have this going on. Talk to your family and friends about the things that you are doing to improve upon your business. If you're doing professional development, if you're going to conferences, talk about it. Um, If you're listening to podcasts, you have to be able to just... Let them know early on. Don't all of a sudden start talking about it and then be surprised when they're like, wait, you're doing what? What's going
1: on? How are you doing this? That's a great point. Yeah, definitely. So just teaching them, educating them and setting those boundaries uh, from the get-go. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jenny, and sharing your experience. And it's super insightful, especially with the blog part. So if anyone wants to learn more from Jenny, just head to her podcast, Influencer Entrepreneur, and I'm sure you'll learn so much over there as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Tina, for having
1: me. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.